We're talking about drag queen story time. And I mentioned earlier in the show that we were going to be talking about this. What in essence is it? What's the purpose? And even in bringing up the conversation that we were going to have the conversation, it solicited a lot of reaction and a lot of texts coming in from you, Ched Nation. And I ask before we get into this conversation with our next guest that you just keep an open mind. We're going to try to get on the same page of what Drag Queen Storytime is really all about and then address some of those questions that really, uh, I think, come from a fearful place. Our guest uh, wrote a great article about this for theconversation.com. It's called Five Things to Know About Drag Queen Storytime. His name is Dr. Connor Barker. He's an assistant professor in the Department of Psychology and Faculty of Education. Dr. Barker, thank you so much for making the time. Really appreciate it. Hey, Chelsea, thanks for having me on. So the article that you wrote really, I think, breaks it down uh, in a lot of different areas very concisely. Uh, There are also a lot of comments on this article as well. This continues to be such a lightning rod discussion point. I mean, you even just mentioned Drag Queen Storytime and immediately, as I've experienced today, you get a firestorm of reaction. So I know you've gone through much the same thing with this article. Let's just set the table for... For what, essentially, when you break it down, take the controversy away from it, what is the purpose and the the point of drag queen story time? Let's just start there. Well, okay. So, so I think like if I if you don't mind me taking kind of a step back, is just kind of talking about what drag is. Okay, yeah. Um, and so, so when when we think about drag, like drag is not a a new. Uh, art form. It has been an art form that has existed for centuries. It has been used for entertainment, uh, particularly uh, during periods such as World War One. But even as far back as Shakespeare, uh, you know this this notion of individuals dressing in in ways that are flamboyant, that are uh, evocative, that are kind of showcasing different ways that gender can be presented. Um, it kind of has taken on a life of its own within within the gay community and and kind of, you know, what we kind of know that we see on things like uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, but also what you might see at a nightclub or in a gay club, um, you know, in many places around here in Halifax and certainly I would imagine in Edmonton as well. Um, but but that sort of drag, like any kind of art form, it, it's not uh, a form of art that uh, is only in one way. Like it is, it is something that we see on a spectrum from very mature themes that we would see in adult venues to what we see in Drag Queen Storytime, which is very much a family-centric, uh, you know, way of, of kind of looking at that particular art form. Things like looking at fashion, looking at colors, looking at, you know, clothes that we would traditionally see boys wearing versus what girls would wear uh, and kind of uh, you know looking at uh, that, that art form in a way that um, that kind of teaches kids about you know what does it mean to be a boy or what does it mean to be a girl is it the clothing that you wear or is it how you feel inside mm. and so uh, so I, I think it's really important from the onset to understand that this isn't the same sort of uh, art form that you would see in, in, in an adult space this is really something that is geared towards children and geared towards families you know, now question... to your second question sorry go ahead yeah, go ahead, <laughs> no, go ahead. I no, think to, you're on a roll yeah, here to your second question <laughs> to your second question about like what actually happens 
at, at a drag queen story time is typically you would have a host. Uh, the host uh, is definitely in uh, some form of fashion that would be an exaggeration of a certain gender, uh, certain gender, or even a, a non-binary type presentation. Um, this would be family appropriate, so we're not talking about highly sexualized themes. Uh, what we're what we're just saying is, uh, you know, just a, 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 an expression of of gender that is presented by the host. Uh, the host would then uh, read a story. That story would have themes of inclusion and acceptance. Typically, it's depicting stories of, and I, I kind of use an air quote here, but kind of non-traditional families. So, you know, families where there might be two moms or two dads or, or different kind of constellations of families. Uh, and then there would be activities or engagement with the host and the children. Um, the other part that I want to emphasize is from my research is that most of these events are not just with children and the host. These are attended by families. So typically these are events that are attended by parents and their children. And the really important part that kind of came out in our article is that it is so important for parents to, following an event like this, to have conversations with their kids about what does it mean to be a boy? What does it mean to be a girl? Is it the clothes that you wear or is it how you feel inside or how you affiliate? I mean, I think it can definitely open the door to those conversations, but essentially it can just mm-hmm. be an experience that is a lot of fun and has someone who's well, dressed up in a way that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> at the core, it definitely is. It is meant to be uh, a fun activity because obviously it is child-centric, right? And, and, what, and, and I think the thing that folks get really concerned about and kind of the... The reason why uh, Dr. Sagan and I kind of wanted to put this article out there was there seems to be a lot of concern about, like, you know, does exposing children to this host or to a, a drag queen, uh, does this actually kind of influence a child in terms of how they come to understand their gender identity or could it cause some form of confusion? And, and the research really is clear that, no, it does not. Um, that that really this is an opportunity for, uh, for the majority of kids, and I would say 98% of kids who, you know, really come to understand their gender in terms of the gender that they were assigned at birth biologically with how they see themselves socially. That's kind of how things typically work out. But for that 2% of kids, it gives them kind of a role model, but also in their community, it builds kind of an inclusive space where um, where children kind of understand that, you know, some boys wear these clothes and some girls wear these clothes, you know, and, and that doesn't change change their gender, uh, but that but that is just part of who they are and part of the diversity that makes up my classroom and my community and not something that we need to necessarily be scared of or find uh, weird or different. Yeah, because I think that that's, as you mentioned, I think you nailed it, that's a really big part of this fear is that the, the impression um, is going to be so long-lasting and so effective that this is going to actually change the way that the child views themselves. And I think that there is more to touch on there when it comes to gender expression and gender identity. Identity amongst children, mm-hmm. really amongst all adults, uh, but we do just have to take a very short break. So let's come back yeah, into no that problem. big question uh, and get back into it in just a moment with you. Dr. Connor Barker is our guest, assistant professor in the Department of Psychology and Faculty of Education at Mount St. Vincent University. We'll get back into it in three minutes. Talking about drag queen story time. What is it really and why does it elicit so much fear and concern? Our guest is assistant professor in the Department of Psychology and Faculty of Education at Mount St. Vincent University, Dr. Connor Barker. Dr. Barker, thank you so much for sticking around on hold. Really appreciate your time today. 
Yeah, happy to be here. You know, we were talking about the fact that the the fear surrounding Drag Queen story time, I think, has something to do with the idea of... Um, indoctrination into mm-hmm. into this uh, this community that, that drag queens are going to have such an influence on children that their gender identity or gender expression will then become skewed or blurry. Let's talk a little bit about gender identities in children and how they sure. how they manifest, how they come to be, how they come to be questioned. Right. And so I think it's really important to consider at the onset that how children come to understand their gender is a very multifaceted thing. It's not just going to be any one experience that's going to uh, help, well, that's going to determine what a child's gender identity is ultimately going to be. There are certainly biological factors, there are socialization factors, there are cognitive factors, um, and environmental factors that all come into a very complicated interplay for each individual child. Um, so, so I think that one thing that parents can take a big deep breath about is the biggest thing that's going to influence that are two factors, the biology and the socialization, right? And so these, these communications that are going on between parents and children are, 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 are essential in helping the child develop a healthy sense as to who they are. Um, the statistics are pretty clear in terms of the instance of gender dysphoria in children. It's at about 2% of the population. Uh, and there are also many children who play with different uh, gender-based activities, um, you know, different clothing, different activities, different things that they might be interested in or displaying. Um, and and it's really only, you know, about 2% of the population that actually develop a gender dysphoria, which would be defined when uh, the psychology of an individual is actually different than the assigned sex that they would have at birth. And, and really what you want, no matter what child you have, is you want them to have a really clear sense of who they are. Uh, and you want to approach those uh, conversations in very safe, positive, and affirming ways. I think, um, you know, there are some minds that are just never going to be able to to change on this subject. Mm-hmm. I think some people have really just decided that they feel a certain way about this and they're always really yeah. going to. But one of our texters makes a really good point. He says, if you don't want your kids being read to by drag queens, don't bring them. And I mean, it really just boils down to that. This doesn't have to be something that you participate in. No one is forcing this upon anyone. Absolutely not. Like this is, uh, like I have not heard of an instance of mandated drag queen story time. Uh, so it would never be something that I would I would imagine that children would be forced to do. But I would encourage parents to think about it, and that was really kind of the motivation for our article. Uh, like like you said, there are going to be people who are very pro and very con in terms of this particular activity. Just like people are very pro and con to any different kind of art form or material that is presented to children. And so I'm not here to say, you know, (laughs) that that this is something that children must do. What I'm saying is that it's a very low-risk activity with a very high potential for uh, reward for positive uh, gender development and also inclusive uh, attitudes among children, uh, particularly in schools and communities. On the article that you wrote, Dr. Barker, uh, for theconversation.com, there's some really interesting comments, too. The comments section is um i think it, it ranges <laughs> it ranges from really yep. concerning to really well thought out uh, someone makes a good yep. point too that um that i'm wondering about because i think i i really compare this in the innocence of drag queen story time to a child seeing anyone that's that's really dressed up and i really question the influence that seeing someone
someone in any sort of costume or outrageous outfit really does have on them. But uh, one person that commented on the article talks about um, young children maybe viewing, viewing these drag outfits as another form of clown performance, and maybe that wouldn't necessarily help them understand or take seriously that this might be gender expression. So could this kind of have a backfiring effect? Well, and what, what I would say to that commenter is that, um, I, again, where it's not just going to be the, the one experience, and we also have to think about the whole context of drag queen story time. Like, yes, one element is the host, uh, but there's also the story that's chosen, and typically that story is chosen by an educator or a librarian, uh, typically on a theme of, of inclusion or acceptance or diversity. Um, and it just becomes part of a repertoire that children um, children are exposed to as they come to uh, reconcile their own gender identity. And I also want to say, like, Drag Queen Storytime is not the only time where children are going to be exposed to uh, messages about gender. I mean, right. uh, gosh, we have Disney, right? Disney and Disney princesses, as one of the commenters on the article noted, or uh, like WWE or the wrestling, right? Yeah. With really hyper-masculine themes, right? Like the thing is that children are presented with gender material overtly or implicitly all the time, right? This space and this edu- this educational opportunity that's offered through a drag queen story time is is far more intentional, I would say, and it and it's really to kind of bring that experience of folks who might not have the same behaviors that you would expect uh, of someone who has been assigned that gender at birth, whether that would be crossing over to male or crossing over to female. Um, you know that th- those expressions of gender are also things that are out there, and I think that that is something that we're not seeing at Disney or the WWE. Mm-hmm. You know, it is it is a different experience and part of the plethora experiences that I think children can benefit from from participating in. Do you think that it, it could create a lack of understanding when it comes to uh, having big conversations about diversity? Because, you know, when, when we talk about people who uh, identify themselves as gay or homosexual or queer or under that banner, I mean, they're not, you mm-hmm. know, for the most part, dressed in drag. You know, for the most part, they're just going about their daily lives. So could this create a little bit of confusion? Well, and I think it's important to differentiate uh, between um, sexual orientation and gender identity. I think there are two constructs that kind of get lumped together often, uh, and, and they are related, but they but they are separate entities, mm. right? Um, so, so I think uh, as a primacy, and this is why I think children particularly benefit from events like Great Queen Storytime, is knowing your own gender first, and knowing who you are and how you want to present yourself into the world and how you want to be addressed by other people and how you want to be respected by other people is is a foundational skill for establishing relationships, whether those be uh, same-sex or all opposite sex relationships. You know, I, I think the next phase, which we don't address in our article, is that notion of sexual orientation, sure, yeah. which has all kinds of other factors that lead to that development. But we're really talking about events that are targeted towards, you know, younger children, you know, that we're not talking about sexuality here. This is not a sexual event. This is an event about learning about who you are and what and how other people are and how they present themselves. Dr. Barker, thank you so much for making the time for writing a great article and uh, for being patient with all of the comments and reaction that I'm sure that you're getting. Uh, <laughs> really appreciate yeah, talking well, to you. It, 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 just, it just kind of shows that this was an article that needed to be written and I yeah. hope that it provides information for parents to help make their decisions for their children. Yeah, great point. Dr. Barker, mm-hmm. thank you so much. 
Dr. Connor Brucker is assistant professor in the Department of Psychology and faculty of education at Mount St. Vincent University. Uh, wrote an article, Five Things to Know About Drag Queen Storytime. You can check it out on theconversation.com.